I'll just say privilege. Uh, when you're teaching someone to drive, you're trying at least from an a elementary level to teach them to stay between the lanes at the speed limit. And there is a big difference between uh, going over a lane at 20 kilometers an hour, just kind of drifting, and hitting a ditch at 100, kilometer, 100 kilometers an hour, right? So there's a big spectrum there. And this morning, as we look at listening and uh, discerning God's guidance, it's my hope that I can give you some steps uh, that would work kind of like a lane or some guardrails to uh, confirming God's voice and to discerning his guidance. And I'm grateful to uh, a movement called Church Renewal I've been involved in about uh, eight years now, um, who gives some resources that we've used here, including the Hearing God Seminar that I've taught many times, and that's the foundation to this sermon series. But in the Hearing God Seminar, it's, it's uh, an extra week, and we dive in a lot more. There's homework you learn, so watch for that in the coming years, and it may be something you want to take. Many people have taken it already. It's just a deeper dive into what we're dipping our toe into in this series, as well as the weekly mentoring I have with Pastor Ray Dirksen. So I'm just grateful for all of those things and how I've grown and learned, and so you get to benefit from all of that. So let me give a quick recap of where we've been through in this Hearing in the Whispers uh, sermon series. Following Jesus is a relationship, and so we both speak through prayer, but we also need to learn to listen, because it's a about receiving guidance, knowing God's word, and following and obeying. God is speaking. He loves to speak to people. He especially loves to speak to people who think they're too bad or too sinful or not good enough. He loves to speak to those who know that they are simple and cheap and humble. In fact, those who are too proud don't think they know it all or think they know the, the Bible or how to follow God without God's assistance. He doesn't tend to speak, not because he's not speaking, but they're just unwilling to listen. And God speaks most commonly through his word. So God is always speaking through the Holy Spirit. And the most common way that, the God, that God speaks through the Holy Spirit is through his word. The second most common way is that we looked at last week through the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. So a friend of mine said, you know, um, make sure that people understand there's not, not a difference or a duality in this. God is speaking through his Holy Spirit all the time and uses many ways, as, as Esma was praying. But uh, the Bible is the most common way. And we can't know, understand, read the Bible apart from God, apart from his Spirit. And the second most common way is through the still small voice of the Spirit in, in many different ways. And so it's all equal. It's all God speaking. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's just different different modes, different ways. And when I say most common or second most common, it's kind of like a statistical thing. Like people are most likely to X and they're second most likely to Y. And so this is just recognizing that. Our foundation is built on a relationship. Listening to God isn't something we simply do when we're in trouble or we need, you know, we're making a big decision and God, what do you want me to do? If that is how your relationship with God uh, goes day to day, uh, you're going to have a lot of difficulty when you hit these high-pressure situations. The point of this whole series is to teach you to listen and to teach you to, you know, recognize or to confirm God's voice. And to, to now today we'll look at discerning what he's saying when you're seeking for guidance. 
but it's to be a daily relational part of your life so that you're listening in the quiet times and the still times so you can recognize his voice in the middle of the day when it's loud and there's high pressure stuff and you're learning to seek God for his guidance in the small things in life so when the big decisions come when the pressure's high when the pressure's on when it's high stakes and we all have that decisions you make stuff that come up in your life or as a family or household you better know how to listen like it's, it's you you are more inclined to recognize his voice and discern his leading so today I want to give you a crash course Okay, a crash course on um, confirming God's voice and on discerning his guidance. And I'm going to give you some steps. And uh, these steps are ordered, but life is messy. And you may not always go in order. And while that statement's just hitting your ears, you must start with step one. So I'm saying, hey, it gets messy and you might take all these different steps. Step one is crucial. You have to start with step one. So you can view them as steps or guardrails, or view them however you want, but it's really important you start with this one. And it's, first of all, submit to God's will. Unless your heart is in a place of submission, that you're willing to do what God is telling you to do, uh, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So if you're setting out on a journey, and you have no map or GPS, and you start in the wrong direction, there's not a very high likelihood you're going to end up at your destination. And if you begin to seek God for guidance, and your heart is not set on him first, but instead you're going to God saying, I'm in trouble, you've got to answer me, I want to know that you want me to do this. Or you're trying to get God to do things in your way. That's how we often do it, don't we? We're like bargaining, and we're like, God, if you answer me, if you do this thing for me, I'll do this for you. And we think it's like this equal, like I'll start praying or I'll go to church and it's not equal. God answers those things. He, he loves to answer people who don't have it together. But, but if you're a growing follower of Jesus, that's, that can't be the, the, the guts, the, the meat and potatoes, the, the whole stuff of your relationship. God answers that because he's gracious, but he wants you to grow deeper than that. You have to start with submission. Otherwise, you're looking for God to do your thing in your way, and he's like a Santa Claus, or, or a genie, or a, a, a magic power behind your plans. Isn't, wouldn't that be wonderful? You can just like decide what you want to do in life, and God would get behind that and do it, and you just go on your way, and you'd have the house, the job, the relationship, the thing, the, the neighbor would stop, you know, the dog wouldn't bark anymore, and all, all this stuff you want to see happen in your life, and God would just, that's not, that's not the way it works. Submit your heart. It means you're willing to do what God wants no matter what. Why? Because ultimately, that submission is based in the belief that God wants your best, and in giving you his best, your best, you're giving him glory. And that's how he works together with us. So don't skip this step. You're, you, this step is about getting your heart and your life facing God. So start there. Submit to as well. Secondly, listen with anticipation. Okay? Anticipate that God will answer. So this is now getting into the what. This is, this is starting into the what steps of guidance. God, what do you want me to do? So listen with anticipation. James says this. James 1, 5 to 8. If you need wisdom. Who needs wisdom? Anyone? I need wisdom. Okay. Some of you put your hands up. Some of you are nervous to put your hands up. Some of you are lying. So, we all need wisdom, don't we? If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. What a wonderful adjective. Generous God. 
and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He won't say, why are you asking again? I gave you my Bible. You went to church. Figure it out. He says, no. Ask, and he will not rebuke you for asking. But, but, when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with the divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed about by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. When you're going for guidance, you tend to be unstable. And if you're asking God for wisdom from a place of instability, saying, well, maybe God will answer me, and uh, maybe I'll have to figure this out on my own, or maybe this person's advice, or maybe this religious thing, or maybe this horoscope, or maybe this whatever is going to tell me, fortune cookie, whatever it is, is going to tell me, rather than God, you're going to be unstable, and you're going to feel unsettled, and you're going to not get the security in your relationship with God and the guidance that you need and that God wants to give you. Isn't, it's crazy, right? The God of the universe who created you, who both knows the path of your life and doesn't force it to happen. I don't quite understand all that, but he knows what you're going to choose, but he doesn't make you choose it. Such a wonderful God says, come and come to me, ask for wisdom. But when you do, anticipate that, that I'm going to answer. God always answers. Do you know that? So I learned something in, in Bible college, actually, from a, a, a youth, um, youth with a Mission book I was reading. And um, God answers this way. A yes, a no, a wait, or a grow. So I'm going to ask you to say that together, because when we repeat things, we remember. So God always answers with a yes, a no, a wait, or a grow. So sometimes he says yes. You're ready to go. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. It's, the, the time is not ready. You just need to wait. You need to wait with me. There's a lot of waiting in Scripture. Waiting in Scripture is not passively sitting back while God does the work. It's edge of the seat anticipation. We're still walking with God. We're still waiting for him to set things in motion. And then there's a grow. You're not ready. What you've asked for, <laughs> what you're hoping for, you are not ready. He always answers. Seeking guidance. Listen to this. Seeking guidance from God is not about direction. Okay? Seeking guidance from God is not about direction. Well then, what is it about? It's about dependence. Seeking guidance from God is about growing our dependence on God, regardless of direction. And if we go in with an unsubmitted heart and we don't expect that God is going to listen to us and wants us to ask our dependence is set on ourselves or someone else. Seeking for guidance, first and foremost, is about submitting ourselves to him and knowing who we can depend on and getting our hearts to that place. Third, confirm his leading. Third step. So we're going to spend a bunch of time on this one and give you a few tips under this confirm his leading. So now we're getting into the what. So the first tip I want to get you in, in the what in confirming is go to the Bible first. You're going to hear this multiple times today, and I hope you do. Start with confirming in God's word. Consider if the leading or the outcome of the leading would contradict something in Scripture or contradict something you know about God, okay? So if you think God is leading you somewhere, is saying something to you, and you're seeking to confirm that, Go to the Bible first because God will never contradict principles in his written word. 
ever. If you think you have on your heart something and it contradicts something in Scripture, you're wrong. It's just that simple. Secondly, God cannot contradict his nature. And we'll talk about that in the next, uh, next um, step. But uh, can't contradict his nature. So third, it must fall within the parameters of Scripture. So you need to go there. If you find that something you think God is leading, it contradicts Scripture, it's, it's wrong. So here's a few examples. We'll, we'll deal with more in a little bit in this message. But um, if you think God is encouraging you to um, take revenge on someone uh, through violence, well, you can be assured that's not something. If you think that God uh, wants you to express your love to someone you're dating by having sex with them outside marriage, you can be assured. You don't have to seek God's guidance on that one. That's wrong. If you think he's telling you that because you're married in spirit or something like that, it's just wrong. You know that something you have a sense of is right or wrong initially by going to God's word. Secondly, second tip, reflect on the tone. What is it about this leading that makes you think it's God-like? Does it seem to have his voice, his nature? Is this word, this message, this leading, is the tone, does it sound like God? God's voice convicts of sin, yes, but he brings peace and he leads you into righteousness. Is the leading and the outcome going to bring you into righteousness? See, the enemy's voice condemns, confuses, defeats, divides, depresses, agitates, creates anxiety, deceives, amongst other things. If that's the sense you have, if the tone of what's being led causes those things, it's a pretty good clue that it's likely not God, or you're hearing it in the wrong way. But if instead the fruit or the outcome of that leading would be one of the fruits of the Spirit, or what we spoke about a couple weeks ago in James 3 about the wisdom of God. And if it seems like that. If it seems to match something wise from Proverbs or from God's word. If it's his nature. If the tone seems to be godly. And the outcome seems to be godly. Then that's a good uh, sign that it's possibly from God. It's a good confirmation. Third, ask for confirmation from God. So don't just, you know, reflect on the tone. Don't just spend time in his word, but ask God specifically. Confirm this. God, I think you're saying this. What are you saying? Now, there's some confusion here. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in the, de in the desert, he quoted scripture, which is a powerful uh, strategy to defeat the enemy. It gives us victory. We use God's word. It, it's victorious. And so he said, do not test the Lord your God. And sometimes we think when we ask God for confirmation, we're testing God. It's actually quite simple to tell the difference. Testing looks like this. God, I am unwilling to do what you're saying, but if you do this thing in my way, I'll do what you're asking of me. So I'm not going to take a first step, and God, if you do this thing I'm asking you to do, whatever, you give me this sign from on high, then possibly I'll decide whether I want to do that or not. That's testing God. That's operating from doubt. Testing means, God, I'm, I'm in on this. I want to obey. I'm just not sure. Confirm it. Just you see your life is moving in a different way. This way, you're standing to God going, prove yourself to me, and, and I'll move. Do it for me, God. Over here, you're already moving. So let me give you an example. A lot of people will know uh, Gideon. Let me give you a, a short snapshot of Gideon's life. He's a regular, average, everyday Joe. He's in Israel. It's in the Old Testament. 
Israel has been oppressed by this neighboring nation, the Midianites, and they're afraid. They've all fled. They're uh, overcome. And God calls Gideon to rescue the people. He's going to do it through Gideon. He's not uh, a soldier. He's not in charge. Nothing. He just tells him to do this thing. And if you know the story of Gideon, you often fast forward to the fleece. So there's this point in the narrative there where Gideon says, God, I really need your help to know if this is the right thing. And he says, I'm going to put up this sheepskin, this fleece at night. And if uh, in the morning the fleece is uh, wet and the, the ground is dry, so there's dew on the fleece but not on the ground, I know you're with me. And God does that. And the next night he says, ah, I need a little bit more. Just do the opposite. If the next morning this fleece is dry and the ground is wet, and God does that. What we miss, what we miss is the whole lead up to that. That wasn't, it's not like God asked Gideon to do this great thing. And all of a sudden he said, fine, God, you want me to do this thing? See that fleece? Do as I say. There's a whole lead up there. So God calls him to do that. And Gideon immediately begins to obey. Immediately his heart is submitted and he's set on God. He starts tearing down idols and idol um, altars. He gets in trouble with the people who have those. He puts out a call to all the land for the army to come. So before he knows exactly what God's calling him to, how, when, he starts to obey. He's, just, he's in motion. And while he's waiting for all these Israelites to come and gather this army and do this thing, he doesn't even know how he's going to do it yet, God hadn't fully revealed it all to him. He says, this is a big deal. <laughs> I need a little bit of help here. Confirm this. His, his posture is of obedience and submission. He's already in motion. Ask God for confirmation. But after you've submitted after your heart and your life are already in motion, ask God for confirmation. Ask for confirmation from God's people. A key form of confirmation comes through the body, the family of God. We do not exist as a church so we can have services that encourage you, so we can uh, you know, gather people and funds and resources and bless the world. Our primary purpose is the Great Commission. Absolutely. We're to reach more and more people for Jesus so that more people might be in relationship with him and enter into the new kingdom. So they live in the kingdom now and not yet? Absolutely. But a second, I think, close is so that we can help one another live in such a way that that would actually happen. My life is not my own to live. I am God's. I am God's child. And his other children, get this, receive confirmation leading words for me. So my life is not just about me listening to God for me. God speaks to me about others. I'm not saying he like tells me to tell others what to do. But oftentimes when we need confirmation, we ought to be going to someone that we respect, spiritually mature, and asking them, can you pray with me for confirmation? What do you think about this? Does this seem to be God's way? God speaks to us and works through us in other people's lives because we're connected. We're supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to work. It's not one person telling another t what to do. It's two people struggling together and helping one another. I had this happen to me um, a few weeks ago uh, in, in worship. So while I was uh, singing here, 
uh, I just had this sense, something was on my heart, that I need to say something to someone else. And later that week, I did. And it turned out to be the exact right thing. And this sense that I had in my heart of what was going on in their life was true. I didn't know. I just had a sense. And through sharing that and helping confirmation and giving some guidance and saying, here's, here's what I think a wise thing to do is, it was helpful for me and for the other person. But you need to find someone wise. You need to find someone godly. Ecclesiastes 7.5 says this, better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. Okay? So what we sometimes do when we want confirmation, we find our friends. We find people who agree with us, have a similar life view, and we say, I think God's leading me to do this thing. And they would say, uh, yeah, I think he is. Maybe they don't believe that, but they don't want to hurt your feelings, and they don't love you enough to be honest. Or maybe they're just not godly at all, and they'd say, absolutely, go and do this thing, and they have no real confirmation. And you end up going out and doing this thing <laughs> with the, the strength that this conversation is mustered up, and then you're going in the total wrong direction. Find a wise, godly person. Ask them to speak into you. Every time, every single time, my family has moved churches. So I won't count the first time. This is the third church I'm serving in. The first time with Stephanie and I, there's a whole discerning pro, uh, process. But our second and this being our third churches, we were moving a family, uprooting a whole lifestyle. It, was, it wasn't just a couple going, I want to get into the work world and ministry, and we're excited to go. This is a big decision to move cities, move churches, uproot your family, put down roots, follow God. Every single time, the final step in the process, or one of the final steps, was confirmation from another person. I can remember, as I'm speaking, I can picture us in those two different situations with those two different people. Godly mentors who we asked, what do you think? Pray with us. And I remember their advice, and it was the tipping point we needed. We, we thought we knew what God wanted, but we had some uncertainty, and so we confirmed it by going to good, godly wise, spiritually mature mentors in our life. And it helped us. And we were able to follow God where he was leading. Another thing to consider when you're confirming the what is to consider the circumstances. Where is the evidence leading you? So if you're a bit of a mystery person or you like pros and cons and maybe you're a little more organized, this is a good one for you. Where is the evidence leading so consider the Bible verses that you've been reading in your quiet times. The, the promptings in your heart from the Spirit. Circumstances outside. Things other people have been telling you. Look at all the evidence. Where is it leading? An example of this is in the Old Testament. When God, God was calling Samuel, a young boy who, uh, miraculous birth, and he's in the temple, and Eli the priest is there, and in the night, God calls three times. After three times, the priest, Eli, says to Samuel, hey, something's going on here. Respond. Say, here I am. Like, here I am. And so there was this pattern you recognize. Considering the circumstances is important because um, sometimes if we just focus on one thing, we can just jut out on this path and we haven't taken time for confirmation. Pay attention to your feelings. Sometimes in church we say feelings are bad and don't, don't, you know, feelings will mislead you. God gave us feelings. So we get angry when we 
sense injustice. We're happy when something good happens. Pay attention to your feelings. Sometimes your feelings are telling you how you truly feel and think about something, even if you don't know it. Do you know we're really good at lying to ourselves in our mind? You tell yourself something enough times, you begin to replay that, and you begin to believe it. It's the narrative, it's what's going on. Some of these checks, some of these guardrails will help against that. So con consider everything that's going on. A few other thoughts on confirmation. Here, this is a fun one, okay? The only way you're truly going to know if God is speaking to you, if, not if he's speaking to you, if you've recognized his voice, if you've confirmed his voice, and if you've discerned his guidance correctly, is when you step out in obedience. So God is willing to enable you to obey him, but he's giving you choice. That's how good he is. He, he brings forth all his power, majesty, might in your life when you choose to obey. And only until you obey do you know if you've heard him right. And here's the crazy thing that I don't understand. When you make a mistake, he loves it. Because you've stepped out in obedience, you blow it, you misheard him, you were thinking your own thoughts, getting your own way, and, and the fruit of that shows, and you know it right away. You're like, oh, I made a bad choice. God loves that, because he's like, yep, that's not my voice. Recognize it next time. He loves it when you obey and you get it right, and he's like, yeah, that is my voice. And over time, as you continue to obey daily, you begin to recognize his voice through failure and through following. Both of those things are important, but you will only know God's voice. You'll only learn to listen. You'll only confirm his voice. You'll only discern his guidance as you're readily, actively obeying. So that ties back to submission. So let's get into the process. So here's the fourth step. So that third step was a lot of stuff in there. Fourth step. Ask God to reveal the process. How? So once Gideon knew what God wanted him to do, God revealed the how. I'm going to take this army of thousands, I'm going to whittle it down to 300, and then you're going to go at night and break these clay pots, and there's going to be all this confusion, and I'm going to win, so that you know it was me who did it, and not you. Not your ingenuity, not <laughs> your skill. You know it's me. Gideon didn't know that until he was well into the process. But don't skip this step. Once you know what God's doing, sometimes we're like, hey, I think God wants me to do this thing, and, and we're ready to go. Like, we're active, and we just kind of plow out on our own, and we do our own thing. Ask. I've had many times going into a difficult meeting, a difficult meeting either with someone or, or a group of people where I just don't know what to do. And I've sought God, and sometimes he's given me a passage of scripture that I can read at the beginning as a framework for us to walk through. Sometimes it's a method or a sense or some extra knowledge I just didn't have about the situation. That made all the difference. And had I not asked for God's how, his strategy, how do you want me to do this? Because he's a strategist, right? God isn't just about telling us what to do. He wants to help us with the how. So ask God. Confirm that. Ask God to reveal the how. Fifth, Wait for God's timing. This is the when. When God tells you what to do, and he tells you how to do it, ask him, when am I to do this? The right thing in the wrong time equals the wrong thing. Okay? So the right thing in the wrong time is the wrong thing. Have you ever done that? you like, I, I think this is the right thing. I need to have this conversation with this person. And you just want to get this thing off your chest. 
And you can tell the other person's agitated, but you're like, we've got a 10-minute drive in the car to school, to the airport, to work, whatever. It's traffic. It's no good. I want to get this thing done. God wants me to get this thing done. I'm going to get this thing done. And you have a conversation. And as they leave the car screaming and, and upset, you're like, what did I do wrong? I thought I was supposed to have this conversation. You have to ask God when. Like, when is it you want to do this? The final step is obey. Obey. We've talked about this already. Be willing to obey. So, life is messy and these steps are ordered, but you'll get them all out of order. But for sure, start with submission end with obedience. Whatever the pathway is in the middle, if you're seeking God and doing some of these things, I'm sure I could add some more steps. You may have some more steps that you thought, well, you should have added this in or this in. Could be. Absolutely. But what is most important is you start with submission. You end with obedience. God is inviting you to trust him, to walk with him. And that's the process of spiritual maturation and following Jesus. And seeking God for guidance is not primarily about the direction he's leading us or the what or the when or the how. It's a way, a deep way, he grows us in relationship with him and grows us in spiritual maturity and trust. He wants us to trust him regardless of what he's asking us to do. So let me, we went bowling uh, Friday night and uh, some of the kids put up bumpers. So let me put up some bumpers or some guardrails because the point of driving is to stay in your lane, right, and to go at the speed limit. But sometimes things are a little bit dangerous and sometimes we need some guardrails. We need some bumpers on the sides to keep us balanced, to keep us in our lane. So here's, here's three things that can help keep you balanced as you listen for guidance. First of all, listening for guidance does not replace the Bible. Remember I said I was going to talk about the Bible? Here's time number two. One more coming up, okay? Doesn't replace the Bible. You know what happens to some people once they start to recognize God's voice? Pride, whoop, slips in and they think, I don't need quiet time anymore. I got this deeper connection to God. I'm very spiritual. I'm going to ask him and the Holy Spirit's speaking to me and I'm just going to go about my way. You tend to hear people like that talk about themselves as like a prophet or apostle or um, I'm right, you're wrong. They talk in this kind of... Um, elevated tone and their humility is shrinking their pride is growing and the distance between their heart and God's is growing as well I think that's kind of a Pharisee thing like in the New Testament where Jesus said you know you, you honor me with your lips your hearts are far from me that's in the Old Testament as well and that's what happens when we begin to recognize God's voice a tool or strategy of the enemy is to take that good thing and twist it so that we become self-sufficient and I don't need the Bible anymore I know God. I have a shortcut. I don't need his word. I don't need these disciplines. I don't need to spend quiet time because I can just go to God and ask him specifically about this thing and he can give me this personalized rhema word. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look a few messages back. We talk about logos, general words, and personalized rhema words, Greek words. So we think we have the shortcut. God will never ask you to ignore his word. It seems mature. It's not. If we're not hiding his word in our heart, 
The Holy Spirit, one of his roles is to bring to remembrance what we've already learned. He brings up from inside. The process of learning, we can't skip that, and we should never get sick of it. Go to God's Word every day, often, all the time. Why? Because it is the most common way he speaks, because it's most clear. You can find within the Bible principles and ways to follow Jesus where you don't have to spend deep time in prayer. Okay, if you're going to the movies, or you're going to go bowling, or you decide you want steak, okay, by show of hands, how many people pray first? Anyone? No. In the same way, you don't need to ask, should I be kind? Should I be selfless? Should I give to God first? Like, there's all of these things, but you learn those things in God's Word. And what he's doing is he's showing you more about himself so you might know him. And change your character. Character is our default responses. The more you know about God, the more you know about God's word, the more his word becomes a natural part of your life, the closer you are to God, and the more natural your default behaviors are shaped to be like God's. And so naturally and default, the things you once found difficult to choose, now are becoming natural, and God is maturing you on into deeper things. That happens as a process of spending a lot of time in his word. But you may say, but Jeremy, there's people across the world in persecuted countries who don't have God's word, and they're the strongest believers ever. Absolutely, God makes exception. But you know what happens to people who don't have God's word? They hunger after it, and when they get a hold of it, they never let it go. I've heard of um, communities in China uh, in years past, many years past, where they couldn't have copies of the Bible, but they would write out the odd verse. And, and for different smaller churches, maybe, maybe five, ten people, all they would have is one written verse they could hide somewhere, or a few chicken-scratched words they, they caught somewhere, and they held on to it. We need to hold on to God's word as important. God's spirit will never, ever contradict his word. So, that's guardrail kind of number one. Secondly, listening for guidance doesn't replace good counsel. Remember we talked about good counsel? I'm talking about it again. Guess what? I'll talk about it one more time too. Listening to, to God through the Holy Spirit doesn't replace good counsel. It's not like, hey, I've arrived. I don't need church family anymore. I don't need to talk to other people. I don't need to ask, what do you think? I know. I'm godly. I'm mature. I am so-and-so, and I know God. I don't need his word. I don't need his people. I'm just going to follow him because I've arrived. That, that is absolutely not what God is doing. We need God's people. Proverbs 11:14 says this, without wise, uh, wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. So if you've got a big decision, don't ask one people, people, one person, ask two, three, four, five, ten, fifteen people. Gather others in prayer. Get a lot of counsel. Proverbs 12:15. fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. So who is considered foolish or wise in that? The person who's humble enough to say, I need God's word. I need God's people. I need help. I don't know what to do. That's the wise, mature person. The person who says, I've arrived. I don't need it. I'm... They are foolish and immature. Third little guardrail thing. Um, listening for guidance does not replace common sense. It's a little might not make sense uh, initially, but I hope it does. 
Common sense, the definition is this. Common sense is the basic level of practical knowledge and judgment that we all need to help us live in a reasonable and safe way. God has gifted us with common sense and a conscience. I don't know how all those work, to be honest, but I know God uses them and speaks to them. But we know people who have no relationship with God sometimes have a very attuned conscience, sometimes have a very attuned common sense, make some good, wise choices in life. If you think God is asking you to do this big thing, start with common sense. God does not ask you to do these crazy big acts of faith every day. He does ask to do those. And God sometimes asks us to do things that don't make sense. I've known several farming families who've sold all they had with young kids and gone off on the mission field. That doesn't make financial sense. Like, at least get your kids through school in Canada and all these things. Like, if we're using common sense, that would never happen. But you have to start with common sense because that's a pretty big ask of God. That's why confirmation is a journey and a process of maturation alongside Jesus to get the Father's heart. But start with common sense. For goodness sakes, don't just think, God told me to do this thing and then go and do this wild thing. And when your life is in shambles and you're going, I thought God, and you never took any steps to do it. I thought God was telling me to do this thing. And it didn't make sense. And everyone around you is disagreeing. However, (laughs) there are times where God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense. He won't contradict his word, and his people may disagree, and you will have this sense. Stephanie and I have had that, where a decision in our life, we just, everyone around was saying, no, not the right time, I don't know about this, but there was a few, a few people with us, and we were just sure of it, and it was the right thing. It's not that the other people were false or, you know, trying to hurt us, they were trying to actually help us. So there are times where God will call you to do something bigger and, and different. But walk through the common sense, these guidance, these steps first. So, this is a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. Hopefully you're taking notes. You can go back, see, or listen. Let me simplify this. I'm going to simplify this into three principles. So if you can't remember all these steps, three principles. And you've heard them already. You've heard them already. Number one, okay? Confirm with the Bible, okay? Whatever you think God is saying, you will always find confirmed in the Bible. It, was, it will always match that. God will never tell you to sleep with your girlfriend because we're married in spirit. He'll never tell you to lash out in anger or rage because they had it coming, no matter how much you think they have it coming. He'll never tell you to start a heroin addiction because you need to reach those drug addicts and your testimony is too small. He's not going to tell you to do some of these nutso things. He's going to do things that align with his nature and his nature is revealed in his word. So check with the Bible first. So confirm with the Bible. Secondly, confirm with other Christians. So if you're seeking guidance and you, you're trying to discern, so you're trying to discern what God is guide, guiding you to do. You're trying to learn what he's saying to you. You start with the Bible. Then go to his people. Confirm with other Christians. Ask others to pray with you. Ask others advice. Look at other stories. See if things match up. But if you can at least do these two things, you know what the wonderful thing about both of those are? Both of those drive you back to the heart of the Father. Because while you're seeking his word, 
you're going to God. And when you're asking other believers, you're, you're, you're putting your, your heart and your life direction uh, shared with others, but, but you're looking to God. You're still going back to God. All of these principles get you back to God. Don't set you apart. And the third one might not seem like it's getting you back to God, but it actually is. So here's the principles, right? Confirm with the word, confirm with other Christians, and choose. There's this crazy thing that happens sometimes in life where uh, we need some guidance and we're unsure of what to do and we go to God and he seems silent. We don't have a yes, a no, a wait, or a grow. We're not really sure what to do. And sometimes we just need to choose. God in his goodness and as a good father sometimes sits back and watches us choose. And if you've ever had someone you know, whether it's a child or someone... Uh, your child or someone you're watching or a good friend and they have two good choices before them and you really want them to enjoy one or the other, sometimes you just sit back and watch them and delight in their choosing. You delight in their choosing. It's one of two good paths. Like, God, should I give this money I've intended to give to this person or this organization or this? Sometimes he doesn't say exactly. He's delighting to sit back and watch you in your maturity and in your relationship with him. Choose out of who he's made you to be. And he delights in that. Sometimes you have these two perfectly equal good paths. Do I go on missions here or here? Do I serve in this ministry or this ministry? Do I read this devotional with my family or this devotional? And part of growing in relationship with God is to learn his word, learn his principles, be filled with his spirit so that we can choose in these principled good ways. It's not that God is sitting back going, well, you got my word, you got my people, you listen to some sermons, figure it out. He's allowing the process of maturation to take place in choice. I don't know how it works. God knows what we're going to choose, but he doesn't make us choose it. And he just delights for us to choose. And as we choose, he just comes in with all his grace and power and confirmation. And we walk forward in that. So if you're uncertain, I'm not talking about big things like I think we should move to Alaska and raise bears or something like that. Like that should not be a, I feel like it. God's not clear. I felt it this morning. And by four o'clock, you're booking tickets and selling a house. <laughs> That's, that would be deemed foolish or unwise. Have a process, but in some of these good godly choices, if you're unclear and if God seems silent, he certainly is not distant. And sometimes he just delights to walk his kids' choose, And then you see afterwards how he's been with you all along. You're not choosing in a vacuum. You're not choosing away from him. You're choosing with the confirmation of his word. You're choosing with the confirmation of his people. But even in that, sometimes you're still not sure. Choose and see what happens. It's better to choose to obey than to sit back in disobedience and not move. Here's what I hope you to learn from this whole um, series. Three things. Learn to listen. Learn to listen. Confirm God's voice. Discern God's guidance. Learn to listen in silence and stillness so that in the quiet places of your life, and that's why I call my devotion time quiet time. In the quiet times, you learn to listen to his voice so that in the loud, high-pressure times throughout the day, you can 
Recognize it. Okay, secondly, confirm God's voice. So is it me? Is it God? <laughs> what voice am I hearing here? And third, discern God's guidance. These are not tools when you're up to here in panic, you're in over your head, you, you don't know what to do, you've made a mistake, you need a rescue, although you should be doing it then. These are things to do every day so that in the quiet and the small and the low pressure times, you're developing this deep relationship with your father so that in the high pressure times, the big decisions, when he asks you to take a step of great faith that seems beyond what you're able to do and absolutely is, you've got a history of practicing. You can better recognize his voice through the word and the work of the Holy Spirit. You recognize his voice in the wind and the whispers in your heart. You recognize his voice. You can put together the patterns. You have your people in your faith family, in your church family, who you can go to and say, hey, would you pray with me on this? What do you think of this? Tell me what, you know, what God's saying. Let's meet together. Let's pray. So that in the small things, you know what to do in the big things. In the low pressure time, you know what to do in the high pressure time. In the quiet. I like quiet and stillness and hearing God. But most of my life is not quiet or still, especially my mind. It's racing all over the place. How do I slow that down and listen when things are loud and the stakes are high? God wants you near and he wants you to hear. God wants you near and he wants you to hear. May you, may you learn to listen, confirm God's voice and discern God's guidance. So verse I want to leave you with this morning. I remember the, um, the first time I really paid attention to it. I was walking in um, my first year of Bible college, it was before classes began, it was like frosh week, and I walked into what was called the Common Lounge. Now, I didn't live on campus, uh, but there was this area in between the two dorms where there's couches and pool tables and stuff like that, the Common Lounge. And as I walked in a few days before classes began and there was some sort of first-year student activities going on that day, on the big uh, brick wall, painted white, there were some students painting a mural, and they were making one footstep after another, after another, and after another. And as they continued to finish, they got to this verse from Galatians. It says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Or since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. So some translations say, keep in step. And I just remember those words up there, keep in step with the Spirit. And that's really what listening for guidance, listening to God's voice is about. It's about keeping in step with the Spirit, that we'd stay in God's lane. We'd avoid the pitfalls of drifting off a lane or falling in a ditch, of misunderstanding what God's saying, of going in a direction we thought God was saying and he really wasn't, or staying still where he's calling us onward to something good and great, but we don't trust him enough and we haven't matured enough. So my hope is that you learn to listen to God's voice. You would confirm God's voice and you'd know how to discern God's guidance. Would you stand with me as we're dismissed this morning? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you, uh, you work with us and thank you that you are greater than a simple six-step process or some principles or guardrails or... Um, pathways or however we want to think of this. You are way more nuanced. You're way greater than that. 
I pray for each person watching and listening this morning that you would help us in our journey, whether we're just starting to learn to listen, to develop some habits to know how to do that, whether we are in, in a state of confirming, you know, how do I tell my voice from yours, from other voices around me, or whether we're deep into discerning guidance on a specific issue, receiving a personalized word from you of what, when, how to do something. I ask that we all take one step forward closer to you, one step forward closer to each other, that we might follow you more closely. Thank you that you want us near, that you want us to hear you. I ask that um, you would knit us closer together as a church family so we might help one another in, in this. We ask that you would help us as this Advent season comes, that we would seize the opportunity to bring our hearts back to you, bring our homes back to you, and center our lives on you, that we might keep in step with your Spirit. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you go. If you're able to stack chairs, it would be wonderful. Hope to see you next week for an incredible service.